A very good morning to you. Lovely to see you all here this morning. Uh, my name is Neil. I'm married to the wonderful Kate. Together we lead this amazing church, the Southwest London Vineyard, which is a real privilege and honor. If you're new here or you're visiting this morning, you're very welcome. If you are new or visiting, uh, go over and have a look at the uh, Hello Welcome desk. There's a, a wonderful bunch of people there. They'd love to connect you. Um, really, we feel like our job is to connect you with the body of Christ. And if that happens to be this part of the body of Christ, that's fantastic. And if it's not this part of the body of Christ, then let's help connect you with another part of the body of Christ. But go and see um, the team over there, and they've got some goodies for you. Uh, they'd love to uh, introduce you to some people and stuff like that. And we're going to start a new series uh, this morning on the subject of forgiveness. Um, but before we kind of dig in and uh, dig into the whole subject and take a look at what the scriptures have to say, um, I just want to take a few moments just to kind of welcome the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is here. He's been here all morning. Worship was insane, as always. We're so privileged to have such a phenomenal team of guys leading us into the presence of God every single week. And, um, and all the things that go with that, the sound guys, yeah, absolutely. They are amazing. Um, I just want to take just a few minutes just to, just to be still, for us to be still in the presence of God and um, to ask him in his goodness and his grace to just to in the way that only the Spirit of God does, to just bring up in our hearts and in our minds any areas of unforgiveness, um, any bits, any things that God might want to raise, that God, God might want to come even this morning and deal with uh, an address. Now, no need to freak out. Okay, we're not going to we're not going to get everybody up here sharing your deepest, darkest hurts and pains and wounds. This is literally just between you and uh, the Lord. And all you're doing, all I'm asking you to do, is just, uh, just creating a, a moment where we're going to allow him to bring to our mind and our hearts any, any hurts, any pains, any things that we've experienced that he might want to come into. Any, any wounds, any things that we've experienced that he may want to come into and heal. So we're just going to take a few moments, just as we start. I'm going to pray. Um, I'd encourage you all to just be still, just to sit. Um, close your eyes. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and be particularly present and, and to speak to you. No need to go digging around, no need to go rooting around for something that's not there. Let's just listen to the voice of the Spirit of God and see what he brings to mind. And then let's just ask him to come. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We come again to lay down our lives as living sacrifices. We just ask in your, in your goodness and your grace, in your mercy, you just bring to mind just any areas of unforgiveness, unresolved stuff that you might want us to deal with. Come, Holy Spirit.
Well, we thank you for your presence. We just invite you to speak to us just throughout the rest of this morning, the rest of this day. Just lead us. Search us and uh, see if there's any offensive way in us. Test all our anxious thoughts and lead us in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. When you get onto the subject of uh, forgiveness, there's, it, it can actually often kind of um, create a sense of tension within us. It's sort of, um, there's something about it, there's something about forgiveness that, that has this possibility, this potential to go right to the very core of our being. There's something about forgiveness that runs very deep in us. Um, and they're some of the very reasons that we should uh, take some time to look at it and see what the Bible has to say about it so that we can um, experience all the fullness of the things that the Lord has for us, which is why we're going to be doing this series on forgiveness over the next few weeks. Some of you may remember a woman called Corrie Ten um, Boom. She, she wrote a, a best-selling uh, book some years ago called The Hiding Place. Um, and in this book, she recalls a meeting that she has with uh, uh, an SS guard, a Nazi guard from the Ravensbrück um, concentration camp. And it was at that camp that um, uh, she was there with her sister, Betsy. Her sister, Betsy, uh, died there. And she, Corrie, was uh, subjected to some really horrendous um, indignities while she was there. And she wrote, she wrote this in her book. And she said, it was actually at a church service in Munich that I saw him the former SS man who stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heap of clothing, my sister Betsy's pain-filled face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing, how grateful I am for your message, Freilein, he said, to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to people about the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man, was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand, but I couldn't. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so I breathed the silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And many of you will have heard that story before, and many of you will have heard others uh, like it, where somehow, Against all the odds, forgiveness just 
bubbles up. It just seeps out. It just oozes out from these places of unspeakable evil and darkness. And um, as it does, as forgiveness kind of bubbles up, as this thing happens, it sort of has this way of penetrating and changing our take on whatever it is or was that has happened. And uh, none of us really are strangers to this concept. Whatever our experiences would have been with forgiveness, we all need it. We've all needed forgiveness, and we've all needed to forgive. Um, Forgiveness is part of the relational fabric of our lives. And at some level, we're going to have to work out what we think and, and, and understand by this whole concept of forgiveness. And fortunately, Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. In fact, it was central to his message. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 7. I'm going to look at one story about forgiveness and then dig in a little from there. We'll be in uh, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who'd lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who'd invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were really a prophet, he'd know who it is that's touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she's a sinner, it was suggested that she was a prostitute. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. Um, I came into your house. I've lost my space. Yeah, time's all right. See this woman? Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Uh, So for many of us, a very familiar passage. I just want to draw your attention just to pick out that last little phrase. You know, your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. And um, that that phrase, what that actually means is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, go go." Um, go in safety. Like, go from this place, but you'll go safely. He's saying, go in health. He's saying, go in, in fullness. Go in rest. That's all kind of bound up in this, this phrase, go in peace. And there's something about forgiveness that is intrinsically and inextricably tied and connected to peace and rest and health and safety and all those things. There's this connection between forgiveness and Peace. And one of the things, many things that this story does is illustrates to us some of the things of what forgiveness 
can do. And, and this is just one. There are so many stories about forgiveness throughout the, the Gospels, throughout the, the whole entire Bible, in actual fact. The, 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 the thread of, of forgiveness weaves its way throughout the whole of the Scriptures from Genesis uh, on forgiveness um, in the kingdom of God is what we uh, eat, breathe, and uh, sleep. It is essential to our lives. It is, as, as someone once said, the oxygen of the kingdom. Um, and if that's true, what that then means by implication is that unforgiveness, um, and by that what I mean is us choosing not to forgive others, is going to be a giant obstacle in the life of the kingdom. So for many of us, for some of us, um, unforgiveness sort of becomes like a, a giant tree that's fallen in front of us on the road of our journey of, of our faith and our life. And it, it, it prevents us, it stops us, it blocks us from moving forward. And it stops us from moving forward in both our intimacy with God and in the intimacy in our relationships with one another. Have a look at a very quick look. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is, uh, this is, he's talking about forgiveness. He's on the sermon. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this in verse 14 of chapter 6. He says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Fine. And then he says in verse 15, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And Jesus is looking at this whole area of forgiveness and, and he's, it's clear that he's saying that we all need forgiveness in the kingdom of God. This is central to the kingdom of God. He's saying that at some point you will be the offended. Without question. You will be offended. And at some point you will be the offender. And he doesn't put any punches here. It just goes to show how seriously Jesus takes this whole thing about forgiveness. He's saying that if his disciples, if his followers won't forgive other people, then God can't forgive them. And we're like, well, that, that doesn't sound very fair. You know, like, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know, like, I mean, that's true. I can understand why that's true for everybody else. But, like, you don't know what I've suffered. Jesus is like, mm, yeah, actually I do. There's just no getting around this fact. But actually, we need to read this little bit of the, the Sermon on the Mount in the right way and understand that it's actually more about ways in which we deepen and maintain our relationship and our connection with our Heavenly Father than it is about anything else. What, what this is really saying is it's like saying we need to be willing to remove anything and everything, any obstacle that might get in the way of our connection with our Heavenly Father. We just need to get rid of it. Anything that's going to get in the way of our connection with one another, we need to fight to get rid of it because he's calling us. We are called into a relational intimacy with our Heavenly Father so that we can have life uh, to the full. And forgiving others is directly connected to living life to the full. There's an abundance to, of, to life that God has gifted us and is inviting us into that is directly connected with forgiveness. And the trouble is, is so often I certainly just want to ignore that truth. But unforgiveness is, is a thing that can keep us from him. And unforgiveness is something that it's, can keep us from the abundance of life that he has for us. 
And this message of forgiveness that Jesus teaches, it carries with it like a million different implications for us as we try and work out this thing so that it becomes a practical reality in our lives rather than just some abstract concept. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next um, few weeks. And I want to start this morning by thinking a little bit about what forgiveness isn't and what forgiveness is. What forgiveness isn't and what forgiveness is. And um, as we start to think about some of these things, just do me a favor, just keep in mind whatever it was that you felt like the Holy Spirit might have brought to mind at the beginning when we started. Just keep that situation, that person, whatever it was, just keep that somewhere in your mind as we look through some of these things about what um, forgiveness is, what it isn't. And just keep pressing into what God would have you do and how God would have you respond to whatever it is that he's brought you. Okay, the first thing, uh, what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Okay, forgiveness is not forgetting. You might, you might have heard people say, you know, well, just forgive and forget. You know, get over it, sort of move on. Um, well, any of you who found yourself in these situations, you know, that sounds lovely. The idea of it sounds absolutely marvelous. Uh, sort of would that you could, but any of you who've ever tried it know that it's really not that simple. Like, forgiving and forgetting doesn't seem to happen. And you can't just forgive and forget. We remember stuff. Like we're, we're trained to remember stuff. The Bible encourages us to remember stuff. So it's, the Old Testament's full of remember, remember, remember. Uh, you know, and so we can't suddenly just like forget how to remember. So to say that we've got to forgive and forget, what that does is it actually suffocates us. It, like, it, it sits on us like a heavy weight, it, and it makes us feel really bad because it makes us feel like we're really rubbish at forgiving because we are clearly terrible at forgetting. And so we think that because I can't forget, therefore I haven't forgiven. And so therefore I'm a really bad person, I'm a really bad follower of Jesus because all I can do is remember. We can't just hit the delete button. We've got to recognize that remembering not forgetting is actually part of the pathway of forgiveness and that it's okay. It's okay to remember. It's okay not to forget. But that's separate from forgiveness. Someone once said, remembering sins so that they can be forgotten. That's basically what we're doing. We're remembering sins so that they can be forgotten, so that they can be forgiven. And contrary to what a lot of people may feel like, um, it doesn't have to hold us hostage. Um, in fact, somebody else wrote, we will find it cheaper to pardon. We'll find it easier. We'll find it less costly to pardon than to resent. Forgiveness saves the expense of anger. Forgiveness saves the cost of hatred. Forgiveness saves the waste of spirit. And we'll be talking about more of that over the next few weeks. Okay, the second thing is, I've got a lot to get through here, so I need to run through this. Uh, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's the second thing. Forgiveness is not a feeling, which for some of us is pretty disappointing. You know, we like our feelings. Um, some of us, it's a huge relief because we don't like our feelings. Um, there are, that, that, what that means is that there are going to be times when we need to forgive um, in such a way that goes over and beyond what we're actually feeling in the moment. Now, this isn't about pretending. This isn't about pretending that something didn't happen. This isn't about pretending that we haven't been hurt, okay? Not at all. Nor does this mean that we condone certain 
behaviors, but it's, it's also, this isn't the place where our emotions and our feelings get to run wild, and we only behave based on how we feel. We let our feelings and our emotions dictate whether we're going to forgive or whether we're not going to forgive. That's, um, that's not what this is about. Our feelings and our emotions don't dictate the outcome of our circumstances. As followers of Jesus, we have access to so much more than what our feelings and our emotions are telling us. Our feelings and our emotions are incredibly important, but they are not the be-all and end-all of everything. The mind of Christ, as Kate was speaking, referring to earlier, that's the be-all and end-all. We have access to the wisdom and the knowledge of God. We have access to the mind of Christ. And so we've got to accept that forgiveness isn't just about how we feel, but is actually about walking in step with the Spirit of God and living the way that we have been invited to live. And third thing, forgiveness doesn't mean that something isn't a sin. Forgiveness doesn't mean that something isn't a sin. You may have heard people say, you know, a sin's a sin's a sin's a sin. You know, if we have been sinned against, when we are sinned against, forgiveness doesn't negate the facts of the matter. If you've been sinned against, you have been sinned against. And that thing was sin. That thing is sin. Many times in the Christian world, we, we've, our thinking on all this is a little bit squiffy, and so we think that if we're going to forgive someone, what we've got to do is we've got to work our brains around the fact that what they did wasn't actually that bad, um, or it wasn't really sin, or I, I'm, I'm, I'm just making too big a deal about it, I should get over myself. So we think that in order to forgive someone sometimes, we've got to overlook what they did. That's not true. Sin is sin is sin. And even in the midst of forgiveness, we are free to call something sin. We are, we are, we are right to call something and name something as sin, if that's what it was. And yet, we are still able to respond with forgiveness. We don't have to pretend that it wasn't sin in order for us to be able to forgive. We can still call it sin. We can still recognize it for the heinous act that it was. But we're still also able to forgive. We've got to remember that forgiveness isn't the yardstick of justice. Forgiveness is the place where we invite Jesus to come in and to reframe and to reshape and to transform everything that has happened. The sin that has been committed against us and, um, and to bring his healing so that from that place we can move forward into the fullness of the life that he has for us. Fourth thing, um, forgiveness Forgiveness isn't always about allowing someone who's toxic or painful back into your life. I'm just trying to get us to think about some of the assumptions I think we make in the church about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness doesn't always mean that we always have to let someone who has sinned against us, someone who's toxic, someone who's poisonous, back into our life. And um, again, this is something that in the church we're not really necessarily very good at because we think that in the process of forgiveness in Christianity, we often think that those two things should go together. You know, that if I really have forgiven someone, one of the measures of whether I've forgiven someone is whether I can then 
live with them like 24-7 for the rest of my life, do you see? That's the demonstration of the extent to which I've forgiven them. Um, maybe in a future age where there's no more crying or tears or suffering or pain or death. But here and now, not always. It's, it's complicated. I think this is really complicated, but it's complicated working out how and when and if we should allow the person who has sinned against us back into our lives, or to what extent or to what degree we allow them back into our lives. And, of course, as followers of Jesus, we want to live at peace with all people, absolutely. We want to be working towards relational reconciliation, absolutely. And we want to be doing the best that we can. But there's a naivety, there's a around the assumption that that therefore always means or always guarantees that this is a definitive must and that we must always do it. And that part of proving that we've really forgiven is having somebody fully relationally back in our lives. Forgiveness will always be the repairing agent in a damaged relationship, 100%. That's given. But forgiveness does not obligate us to reconcile fully with the person who has harmed us or to release them from legal accountability in such a way that they have to be fully in our lives all the time. Uh, in the realm, of forgiveness, the realm of forgiveness, there is a reality to setting boundaries. And that's okay. Boundaries are okay. Being accountable, even in the midst of offering forgiveness, is okay. Living in true community so that we're actually able to embrace the fullness of what it is that's happened and then to receive the healing that comes uh, with it. Um, forgiveness, just to be really clear, is, is not the same as reconciling fully with someone. They're two different things. They're connected but they are two distinct things, and we'll talk about that over the next few weeks. For now, I just want to make the, the point that uh, we need to start thinking about what we think about that, what we think the, the Scriptures teach, how we, as followers of Jesus, are engaging with that process. Because uh, my experience, certainly, is that uh, you can often have fully forgiven, but not necessarily be fully reconciled in the ways that you may have experienced that. There's a, I think there's a healthy moment, there's a healthy Christ-like response to setting boundaries and living within those parameters. But we can talk about that more. You can write to me and do all sorts of things like that. Um, fifthly, this is the last one on this section, oh my lord, uh, forgiveness is not uh, or is rarely a one-time event. Um, which when you think about it is pretty annoying. You know, would that it were, would that the forgiveness was sort of done and dusted. C.S. Lewis said, to forgive for the moment is not that difficult, but to go on forgiving, to forgive the same offense again and again, every time it occurs to the memory, that's where the real tussle is. And that's, you know, good old C.S. Lewis. Forgiveness is most often a choice. It's most often a, a deliberate act of choosing to do something. And sometimes, some days you're going like, to feel like you want to forgive someone, it's like, oh yes, I'm feeling magnanimous and generous today. Well, I think I'll forgive anybody and everyone. 
Other days it's like, seriously, that's not going to happen. Uh, no one's getting any of my forgiveness. They're all going to get in my wrath. Um, so forgiveness is not something that happens just like once, um, just like in one space at one moment. It's actually about choosing to forgive over and over and over and again. And it actually, forgiveness becomes a bit of a practice. It becomes a discipline. It's like silence and solitude. It's like just something we wake up and go, ah, okay, Lord, who do I need to forgive today? Oh, yes, right. Start on the list. You start working your way through the next day. Ah, oh, it's the same list. Good. I'll keep going. So there's a starter for 10. Uh, not complete by any means. Just some headlines to get us thinking about what forgiveness isn't. Okay, so what forgiveness is. I came across this quote, and it says this, Forgiveness is the personal act to release the one who sinned against me from my personal right to collect on the moral debt or to pay him or her back for their offense. Forgiveness is the personal act to release the one who sinned against me from my personal right to collect on the moral debt or to pay him or her back for their offense. And, and that definition, that framework, might be helpful just as we consider what forgiveness is both today and moving forward over the next few weeks. And the thing is about this is like we, a lot of us get some of this stuff like conceptually, but like what does it actually look like in practice? That's where the rubber um, hits the road. And the first thing that forgiveness is, is basically us saying that we are giving... God, the, the right and the permission to be God. We are allowing God to be just. We are allowing God to deal with the justice piece. And, and this is actually a lot harder than it sounds, uh, I think, um, particularly for people like me. You know, some of us, like myself included, right, uh, we like things to be black and white. You know, grey, it's just a bit tiresome. Do you know what I mean? Like, one way or the other, let's just be done with it. This middle ground, it's too much tension. Uh, so for people like me, who like things to be clear and also like to take charge of all things, um, it's pretty easy for me to think, actually, that I'm better at dealing with justice than God. Like, he could actually do with my help a lot of the time. Sometimes I look at situations and I don't think I'm seeing justice served quite the way that I think God should be serving justice. So he's obviously occupied, he's obviously busy, he's clearly dragging his feet, he hasn't dealt with it the way that I should. So I often feel a little responsibility to kind of help him out a little. I often look at the way that God meets out justice and he, he sort of often does that with blessing. <laughs> that, that can't be right. Um, and I look at the situation, I think, you know what, I think a little bit of fire, fire and brimstone would be good here, God. You, you see? And, and when I was thinking about this, I was realizing that actually I'm quite partial to God's justice being sort of meted out in blessing when it relates to me, and fire and brimstone when it relates to other people. I found was the general theme. One of the things that we've got to learn is um, how to let go of the desire for revenge. This desire that I have, just this right that I think I have somewhere, I don't know where that comes from, to punish somebody for what I feel like they've done. Mm -mm. 
not, not in the Bible. And this is one of those areas, of, like all of them, where we walk by faith in the knowledge that he knows better. Like he even knows better than I think I know. I mean, which is a huge surprise. He knows best, in actual fact. Who knew? He's God. If we give God the reins, if we allow him to handle justice in a way that we never could, we will begin to experience the fullness and the life and the freedom that he has for us in ways that we could never imagine. Giving God back the rights to justice actually frees us up hugely. We need to make and take the decision to give God back the reins, to say, do you know what, I have no idea what's going on here, but I'm going to choose to trust you now. Um, but I get that this is hard. Uh, I, it's a real mature walk of faith that entrusts God to defend us and to defend the people around us that we love, who we have seen uh, being sinned against. Um, whereby we have to say, do you know what, God, you're going to have to do this. Uh, I, I, I lay down my rights. Um, I have no other defense, but you'll just entrust this into your care. That's a, that's a space of great faith. The second thing about forgiveness is it sort of determines that we will do what is good rather than what's evil. It's sort of connected to that last point. Forgiveness has this ability to free us up in incredible ways. It's incredibly powerful. And, and what happens when we start to move into and press into forgiveness, we start to actually want good, not only for ourselves, which may be how it starts out, but we actually want good, not just for ourselves, but for the people who've actually hurt us. Like, wow. And that feels at times like it's radically impossible, particularly right when you're in the middle of it, the beginning of it. So I'm not forgiving anyone. We need to be finding ways that we actually get mad at the sin that's being committed rather than being just mad at the person. Sometimes we're not great. I'm not great at separating the sin and the person. And I put those two things together. Whilst I feel that I've been hurt by someone's sinful actions, I actually end up hating the person over and above just what they did. Getting to that place whereby we actually start to see that the, those people are victims too of either this or just some other kind of sin. But we're all in this together. And so what happens as we start to move into forgiveness is actually we start to separate the sin away from the person and then um, we start wanting that same goodness and that same freedom that we are beginning to experience because we've started to forgive, we want to see that same thing for them. We push into the narrative of the kingdom, the belief that God will bring beauty from ashes and that God will bring good out of evil and that he will restore and can restore and will rebuild us. Uh, forgiveness is the ability a person has to bear an injury without retaliation, and without their love becoming even just a little bit frightened, and therefore more cautious and reserved, so that there is simply a richer love where evil has been done. Forgiveness is the ability a person has to bear an injury without retaliation, 
without their love becoming even just a little bit frightened and therefore more cautious and reserved so that there is simply a richer love where evil has been done. You see why this is just like the, the key sort of motif and thread of the kingdom? That's the kingdom right there. Um, the third thing, I think this is the last one. Forgiveness means that we will see, uh, see forgiveness for what it is, which is an unmerited gift. You know, forgiveness isn't earned, it's given. You know, and while that sounds like, well, yes, duh, that's actually pretty profound. Forgiveness is something that we give. You know, it's not something that's earned. My tendency, um, because of the type of person I am, um, is I want to measure how repentant somebody is, right, that will determine how much forgiveness I'm prepared to give them. Does that make sense? So if I feel like somebody hasn't really done enough to earn my forgiveness, it's like, you need to, I think you need to apologize more, right? Like, you need to cry more. Like, I need to see how really, really, like, you can't just say, I'm sorry, like, that's not enough. Like, I mean, I'll say, all right, I'll forgive you, but I don't mean it, right? So you need to like really show me how sorry you really are. And then when I'm like convinced, I'll, I'll start giving you a little bit more forgiveness. And part of the struggle for that is like, it just, this whole thing gets me kind of really knocked because the, the truth of the matter is, is, as far as I'm aware, I didn't actually ask for any of this. Like I, I just busily, you know, going around my own, minding my own business, going around my life, and... What's happened is, because of what you did to me, this whole thing has now come on me. It's like, oh, now I've got to, now I've got to deal with it. Because you sinned against me, this person over here, not you, these people, right? Because that person over there sinned against me, now I've got to, now I've got to engage with forgiveness. And if you hadn't sinned against me, I wouldn't have had to think about it, or I would have just carried on doing my own thing. So because you've now put me in that situation, I'm going to make you work hard to get it because I want to punish you. You know, you did, you did whatever it is that you did, and now the reality of this is if I don't deal with this in the right way, if I don't handle my heart properly, if I don't handle myself correctly, I'm the one who's going to end up not only with the consequences of everything that this person did, but I'm going to end up with all of the consequences of all the rubbish that's going to happen to me if I don't handle it right. Does that, does that make sense? That's really like unfair because I didn't do anything wrong. I got sinned against, and now if I don't handle the way that I'm if I handle it correctly, I'm going to like double whammy it. And this person, meanwhile, skipped off into the sunset, oblivious that they've done anything to me. And I'm like a seething mass of rage at four o'clock in the morning going, I've got to go forgive them. But I can't forgive them. I to kill them. And they're like, on holiday. Like, oh, great. Awesome. Forgiveness is it's granted from the heart. It's, it's expressed as this act of love and release. It is a true act of love. And it's easy enough to say, trust me, this is hard, this is really hard. And over the next few weeks, I will share more of my personal journeys with this. I'm giving you a bit of a warm-up, just to brace yourself. Um, of situations where I feel like I've handled uh, forgiveness 
Uh, well, you can be the judge of that. Uh, and situations in my life where I've handled forgiveness less well, shall we say. Um, what's harder than, in actual fact, the, the, the situation in the first instance is, is the pain that we live with when we don't forgive. What's harder is, is living with the poison that seeps into our hearts and minds. The, 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 the stuff that comes in, it, it's like it hardens us in places that we never invited it into. What's harder is the way that unforgiveness robs us of our freedom and our life and our joy. What's harder is the way unforgiveness finds its way out in our, just even in our physical bodies. Forgiveness is ultimately about setting somebody free and, and, and realizing that, that actually that somebody's you. And it seems that the, the person unforgiveness most hurts is, is us. And um, in our attempt to keep somebody else from healing, in an attempt to keep them trapped in their sin by not releasing them or not forgiving them, Actually, what happens is we, we end up poisoning our own hearts uh, much more deeply. Uh, we will find it cheaper. We will find it less costly to pardon than to resent. Forgiveness saves the expense of anger. Forgiveness saves the cost of hatred. Forgiveness saves the waste of spirits. When we don't forgive, what we're doing is we're allowing unforgiveness in our hearts and we, we, we run the risk of being defiled by bitterness and all that it entails. And it doesn't just affect us. Uh, that then affects everybody around us. It affects, um, it affects our relationship with God fundamentally. It affects our, our, it affects our relationship with our spouses. It affects our relationship with our kids. It affects our relationships with our colleagues. It just goes on and on. The ramifications of that unforgiveness in our hearts seeps out and um, causes destruction all over the place. It pervades and it burrows deep into the depths of who we are. And we are to be a people who literally pull up unforgiveness by its roots, which means that we are going to have to go to the places of our deepest, our deepest pain, uh, the places of the deepest offenses against us, and bring those wounds and bring that wounding, bring that root, bring that thing, that very thing that hurt the most, we don't even want to think about it because it was so brutal. And bring that thing to Jesus. And it's for the purpose of us being free, of getting back the life that's supposed to be ours. And, and this is an incredibly holy moment. This is so profound. Because what we're doing is, yeah, in and through the cross of Christ, God takes that very worst thing that happened, the worst thing that could ever have happened, something that should never have happened. And in his kindness and his grace, what he does on the cross is he takes that brutality into himself. And he takes it onto himself. And he gives us back something new, something incredible. He takes all of the bitterness and all of the pain and all of the suffering and all of the hurt, and he gives us freedom. Uh, forgiveness is not easy at all. It's not it's an easy subject.
but it is possible and it's incredibly important. The invitation from Jesus is always gentle. Jesus always comes to us gently and kindly. Um, we've, we've all been forgiven, every single one of us, whether we know it or not, whether we recognize it or not, whether we uh, take advantage of the forgiveness that's been offered to us through Christ Jesus. Every single one of us has been forgiven. And, and so in and through Christ Jesus, we are all therefore able to forgive. Uh, and just to finish with, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The, the very first step of this sort of journey is you maybe begin thinking about what's the Holy Spirit got for you on this uh, whole subject, on, me, on this whole area of, of, of forgiveness. It's really just about sitting in God's presence and opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit and inviting him to speak to you and responding to his voice and responding to his leading. You don't have to go rummaging around. You just spend some time this week, just sit in his presence and invite him to come and ask him to bring to the mind anything that he wants to bring to the surface so that we can then respond to his invitation and we can be free. Why don't you stand? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I felt like while we... You know how we do the Lord's Supper here. We have the Lord's Supper out every week. Um, and then sometimes we'll celebrate it together. We'll have it served. I just felt like while we were doing the, um, this series on forgiveness, that um, each week we'd like to celebrate the Lord's Supper as a church family community. So we're going to have the band back. Um, the way we do the Lord's Supper here, if you're new or visiting, is in a minute there'll be um, some people just around the room uh, with uh, some bread, there they are, no, some bread and some grape juice. And just in your own time, just come forward, just break a little bit of the bread off and dip it into the grape juice and take the Lord's Supper in your own time. In um, 1 Corinthians, just on the directives for the Lord's Supper, um, Rights that we should examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink the cup. It's those verses from Psalm 139, search me, search me, O Lord. Test my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And just as we approach the, as we approach communion, Let's just ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in us that he wants us to lay at the foot of the cross? Is there any offense that we may have caused, ways in which we may have sinned intentionally or unintentionally against somebody else that we need to ask his forgiveness for and then go and ask them for the, their forgiveness for? I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes. We're just going to worship. And as we worship, just come. There's a couple of stations at the back. There's a couple of stations down here at the front. Come and take the Lord's Supper. And then we'll minister to one another and see what the Lord wants to do.